And Granderson hits it in the air. Down the right field line. Toward the corner. Queen near the pole. In 2015, I had the incredible honor of being part of the New York Mets baseball team as we went to the World Series. And one of the greatest privileges of that year is getting to know a lot of the players, including Curtis Granderson. Curtis Granderson, a baseball veteran who really, really taps into some of the critical parts of being a leader on a baseball team and just in general. And what Curtis talks about in my discussion with him on the great parts is how to find joy, enjoyment, how to find passion, even when you're struggling. Take a listen to this episode, and we'll see you after. So listen, you know, what I remember um, from our time together with the Mets, you were someone um, who led by example. Um, you were someone who was able to really motivate people. Um, and you're also someone that liked to have fun. I mean, I think the most hilarious thing that I've seen maybe in my entire baseball career is when you created that account for Lucas Duda. <laughs> Tell, tell about the account you created and like, how'd you get there? So in 2015, you know, Twitter, Instagram were taking off. You know, we, I came in when MySpace and Facebook and AOL Instant Messenger were like the thing. And those that kind of faded away to the background. Facebook remained. But then here comes Instagram. Here comes Twitter. And it's taken over. And guys are like, you got to get a page, you got to get a page. And one teammate in particular, Lucas Duda, who shies away from communication, especially in large crowds, and especially to the masses and the public, is like, nope, I'm not doing it. So I took the honor of creating a page for him. And the fact that him and I were locker mates next to each other, I would take photos of him, I would video him. I was basically the paparazzi slash stalker as a teammate you, you at the almost, same you time. Got hurt. A couple of times you almost <laughs> got hurt. I saw you had to like take a step back. The feedback from the We Follow Lucas Duda page, I think we got to 100,000 followers in wow. a couple weeks without doing anything, just posting silly stuff. And it was just funny to see it happen. And part of it was the fact that the team was getting involved in it. Everyone was trying to snap a photo, snap a video, get it to me so I can post it. And I think it also made him loose and relaxed when he stepped on the field. You know, I mean, I, I, there's such value to that because I, I think sometimes my experience has been working with elite athletes and, and high performers that we get so caught up, so caught up on our goal that we lose a sense of being in the moment. And it just seems to me like your initiatives to have fun like that were a way to get people back in the moment. And the game began with it being fun. When you were first introduced to the game, no matter what sport you were playing, baseball, football, basketball, hockey, track, tennis, skiing, the first time you did it, if you enjoyed it, like, wow, this is fun. I want to do it again. And that's what got you to the point of where you are today. Whether you're watching it, playing it, practicing, training it, you have to keep that fun side of it there. Now there's focus and dedication and discipline and all that stuff. But it still has to be fun. It has to be enjoyable. Even if we're losing the game, I put all my effort in. I get a chance to play this game in front of all these people in moments that people dream about. That's fun. And these are just things that I thought about as a six-year-old playing t-ball 
And now I'm getting a chance to do it professionally. So I always wanted to make sure I drove that point home as a teammate to all the guys that I got a chance to play with. You wanted to really set that example that when you started this, it was fun. So it should continue to be fun. And I guess, you know, when I think about that, I also think about that that lesson to me applies to life in general. How do you how do you see that idea applying to, to things off the field? It's crazy. I mean, this hat, I don't have it on, but underneath my, my hat when I was playing, I wrote the words, don't think, have fun. And the reason behind it for me, I'm very analytical, so I can overthink with the best of them. But I also had to understand, and my college head baseball coach, Coach Mike D, told me this. He said, you put in the work, you've prepared, you're ready for it. Now just go out there and enjoy it and have fun. It was a reminder to me. And that's the way you have to, to approach life. You know, I love that, man. I mean, what I love about that, Curtis, is the idea that not only are you saying that's a value, but you're finding a way to incorporate it in your routine. I see you. I mean, I joke with you all the time that after baseball, the only acceptable job I would I would see for you is president of the United States. I still <laughs> I still feel that's the case. And, you know, one of the reasons that I think that is the case, that is true is because I I think that, you know, my experience has been is that you have some natural, you're a natural leader. I think people respond to you. I think part of that is because you find joy and you help others find joy. And, you know, a lot of people listening here are struggling right now because of COVID, because of what's going down. You know, when, when you think about how to, what they could do to find more joy in their life, what direction would you point them? You know, look back at the things that gave you joy before. And I think that can be a great place to start. One of the things I used to do, I was a bowler. I'm not sure if you knew that. I, I used to bowl. I did not know that. I knew about yeah, the food thing. Yeah, you're, you're the first person, I think, that's mentioned the entire food pyramid in one episode of The Great Parts. I knew oh, about man. the, I've, sit, I've sat in, you know, in the lunchroom with you in uh, City Field. So I know you can eat. But I didn't know about the bowling. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. So I bowled all the way until I was 13 years old and I actually would have kept bowling, but our high school didn't have a men's bowling team. We actually had a, only a women's team and now they have a men's bowling team, but I ended up having to cut my career short at that point in time. And I remember bowling and being out there with, you know, the, the individuals on my team and even the teams that we'd be bowling against and somebody would just be having a bad game. And I would go, you know what, think of your favorite candy bar, you know, think of the last week when you bowled a great game. And then they would go out there and get a strike and be smiling. What were you thinking about? And they'd go, Butterfinger, Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. I was like, so those are things that give you joy. So sometimes focusing on those things that you enjoy, those positive moments, living there, not necessarily, you know, dwelling or, or staying focused in the moment, but there's certain things that kind of get you back on path. Like, man, when I was doing well, what was I doing? Maybe I was waking up earlier. Maybe I was getting more rest. Maybe I was drinking more water. Maybe I was you know, calling my mom every day. Maybe I was doing this. Things that you might not necessarily be doing anymore. And it's not necessarily reinventing the wheel. It's just little check marks to, man, when I was going great, what was I doing? This goes back to the point you were making about process versus outcome, right? That, you know, focusing on the thing that you can control, right? And so if you make the thing you control really simple, right? Like thinking about candy bars, it sounds simple, but that's going to take your, your focus off of, oh, I got to get a strike. And the minute you start thinking about got to get a hit, I mean, you know that better than anyone. You're really in a world where you're like locking your brain down and you can't just be. Mm -hmm. It's like a job interview, right? You go in going, man, I, I, I hope they give me the job, do this, that and the other. All you can do is prep for the interview, apply, get yourself ready to go, go with them as much knowledge as you have. Now I've given them everything. I've given them the best me I can be. 
after this, it's up to them to decide, am I the right fit or not? But if I go in there and I didn't know the person's name and I didn't know what company it was, I was late, I didn't dress right. Okay, now I've already defeated myself. I can't worry about that. I, I didn't give myself a chance to succeed. So I have to do those things first. I mean, you know, in all the things that I've I've seen you talk about too, whether it's practical jokes or it's just about, you know, coming up with these creative solutions, there's an element in how you live your life that th- there's a lot of joy there. How did you get to be like that? I think that's from my parents. You know, I got a chance to watch them just interact and be with so many different diverse groups of people, being educators and teaching young kids and having coworkers around them and also just the relationships that they they kept and were able to create throughout the course of my life. And I didn't realize what was going on. I was just observing and liking and enjoying as a little kid. And then all of a sudden a teenager and then a college student athlete, now an adult. And I go, wow, like the things that they were doing, the way they made people feel and welcoming and inviting and just making sure that literally the golden rule, treat others how you want to be treated. My cousin, um, who actually recently passed, he, he always used to say, actually, there's no day of the week called someday. Um, so, you know, today is the day to do it. And I, I think, you know, it's something, there's something so deeply human, Curtis, and what you're talking about, because we're all here because our ancestors did something different, like they found a creative way. And I think, you know, in our culture, like we, so much is done for us that we're not forced to the brink of saying, what can I do differently? And I think COVID changed that to some extent. I mean, I think it really changed it. It asked people, okay, listen, like you're going to have to survive. You're going to have to find a way to do it. And, and just to, to, you know, bring that point home, I can't hit a home run if I don't swing the bat, right? As no, no matter what I do, I can say I want to hit a hundred home runs, but if I never pick up the bat and swing it, I'm, I'm going to have a zero for the rest of my life. So I have to pick the bat up. I got to get in there. I got to swing it. And then hopefully I'll, I'll hit it. Okay, I'm struggling to hit it. Okay, let me practice swinging so I can hit it. But it all starts with, I got to get it up and I got to swing it first. Same thing with everything else in life. And I know it's easier said than done for certain things. And there's a lot more challenges that a lot of people face. But it's that first thing. We do that. And now that's a success. And now we start to have fun. Man, I did that one thing. Because yesterday you weren't doing it, right? I did that one thing today. And now I started this and now I look back and go, man, I did this. I hadn't done that for a while. Now I'm doing that one thing and that brings me to the next thing and the next thing. And now I'm starting to see those results that I want to see. You know, this, this year has been challenging in many ways. Um, one of the ways that it's been challenging is, um, in my view, it's exposed for many what's been evident to some, including me, um, that people of color in our country, especially black people, in my opinion, are, are treated in an unequal fashion. Um, and in, in some cases, um, treated unfairly or even murdered based on uh, being black. You know, you've done some work in the area of creating parity and equality in baseball. And one of the initiatives that you've worked on is the Players Alliance. How did the idea come up for that? And, and what, what should people know about the Players Alliance? current and former black baseball players came together and said, we got to be more than just a social post. We got to be more than just wearing a t-shirt or or saying this or just having a conversation. How can we do more things for our community, both in the game and outside of the game? So collectively, 
Edwin Jackson, D. Gordon, and Cameron Maben, who know a bunch of players in this game, started a, a text thread. And that just kept growing and growing to CeCe Sabathia, myself, Chris Dickerson, Tori Hunter, uh, Ryan Howard, and then a lot of the young players that are coming into this game, the Corey Rays, the Hunter Greens, the Mookie Betts, uh, all these different guys. And we just got together and together and together. A lot of ideas flowing out there. But the big things were we wanted to make sure that Black individuals had opportunities that we felt were missing to play this game in their community, have access to all the different things that they might not otherwise. And at first you think, well, you do have all this stuff. COVID this year exposed a lot of different things. We powered up with Microsoft to create these power-up labs. And in these power-up labs, we went to different communities and provided devices. So laptops, internet, all these different things to schools and communities that didn't have them, communities of color. So think about that. As everybody was shut down, we had to do remote learning and remote conversations, do our stuff. There were communities around there that didn't have the access to get logged into their classwork, to get logged in to see their friends and family, to do all those different things. And these are some of the things that we're trying to provide. I'm wondering, you know, what, what do you think, you know, the average person, you know, that's listening to this, that wants to get involved in social justice in some way, how can they be part of that? Find again, your passion. What's important to you? When people were asking me, how did I decide to come up with the foundation, the Grandkids Foundation, and get involved with that, you heard me talk about education. So education was something very important to me, and that's how I started the Grandkids Foundation, geared around education and getting kids to play baseball. And then as we transitioned, and here we are with the Players Alliance, you see that education focus with the power-up labs. You see the willingness to want to get kids more involved, more educated into this game, in the space, and there's still more to come. Those are things that are passionate for me, and you can see my, my interest in it, my, my willingness to want to be involved with it. You have to find what's passionate for you, whether it's the troops, whether it's cancer, whether it's autism, whether it's whatever it happens to be. And once you find that side of it, especially on the social justice side, if you want to see police reform, if you want to see education, if you want to see food insecurity, if you want to see, uh, you know, the, the, the redlining, the gentrification, all these different things, find what's one is important to you and then you'll be engulfed in it. You'll have, fun is the wrong word, but you'll enjoy it. You'll want to be out there. And it goes back to what we talked about before. It'll be the thing that you see passionate about, that you want to see change, that you'll want to be involved with, that you'll want to do more with. And it's very similar to the practice. If I'm enjoying my practice, I want to go practice again. If I'm enjoying this initiative, When's the next one? What's what I what I think about in that is also that, you know, I had a conversation with a friend of mine who does a lot of training around um, anti-racism. And what she was saying to me, too, was like, you know, first of all, the, the idea of being an ally is it shouldn't be about being an ally. It's about being an activist. It's about doing something like finding a way to create a message and moving it forward. But also what she was telling me, too, which aligns with what you're saying is you know, it's got to be important to you. Like you have to find, you know, the, the what what bothers you about the current situation and disparities um, between people, black people and white people. Like what, how does that affect you and how does that, and so that that connects to me about what you're saying. And, and also I think people get discouraged when they hear like activism, they think such a big thing. And they feel, okay, I got to save 10,000 people today and fix their lives and do all this stuff. It starts with one. 
starts with one and that one can hopefully help more and continue to keep growing. And I, I learned that early on with my grandkids foundation. We did our first event when I was playing with the Detroit Tigers and I had seen fundraisers raise millions of dollars. So, hey, we're going to raise a million dollars, too. And we left out there and we raised like, I think, two grand. And I was so disappointed. And then I stood back and I go, that two grand is going to help a lot of people. It's not going to help what a million dollars is going to help, but those people it helps, it's going to help. And just like anything that you happen to be dealing with, whether it's helping a sibling read or, or study for an assignment, get something that they couldn't figure out, riding a bike, getting food, you know, being passionate for them, helping somebody vote, doing all these different things, helping that one individual can be huge because then that person may go on to help other people, whether it's their siblings, their friends, their family, whoever it happens to be. And you may not ever see it, but it goes. That snowball effect is for real. Absolutely. All right, man. That was awesome. So powerful what Curtis was talking about, about how to find your passion and find your joy. His real clear points about how to understand and name what you're enjoying about certain experiences or past experiences while you're struggling can help you through and help you refocus and pay attention to the right thing at the right time every time in what's important to you. Oftentimes in our work, in our relationships, in, in our hobbies, we really have stress when we have trouble performing and or when we're in a situation where it's really just stressful and complicated. And what Curtis points out is that when you're able to find that joy and name it, name it to yourself, name it to others, you're able to really think differently, have a different perspective on that stress. It reminds me of actually one year I was with the New York football giants and I looked into a locker as I was talking to a player and in his locker, he had the quote, never forget how you once wanted so badly what you now have. Never forget how you once wanted so badly what you now have. And Curtis speaks to that point in the sense that if we can remember that we once wanted the struggle that we now have, we once wanted that relationship, that job, that ability to, to play at a high level, to, to be able to be in this business, whatever it is, it brings us back to the sense of this is really a challenge rather than a stress.